of the three scenarios is how you feel in the Greek scenario and how you feel in the Greek scenario changes. What you're really after is how you feel in your Greek scenario. So I want to take you back to all the way back to the very beginning to a God who created everything not to have a change in areas but a change throughout the way everything in the words of Gerard Manley Hopkins, the world was charged with the grandeur of God. It would flame out like shame, like shining sheets of hail. It gathered to the greatness of the least thing. In other words, God created the easiest things. C.S. Lewis called those echoes of sheep near a plow to reverberate in for everything. Everything. Just for everything. That's why he calls those echoes of the garden of Eden. Echoes. Because when God created it, he created it for everything. So I want to I look at just a few verses from 26. Um, so, so I'm going to skip around a little bit because I do have a time. But Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. And look, hey, you may kind of, this is the first night, you may doze in and doze out. There's no guilt. We're all, we're all chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now look with me at Genesis chapter 2. So God created everything with three bold statements. He created all this stuff. Beginning in verse 2, it says, Then God said, Let us make man.
believe that there can be only God walking with us, only God speaking to us, and we need that access to the Holy Spirit of God to go through the questions to where God can have a deeper conversation with us about what we need to know. And so I hope that that makes sense. I hope that maybe I haven't convinced you. Maybe, maybe it did convince you. Maybe it didn't. But you need to be able to answer those questions. And so the woman gave her gift. This is the gift of Jesus. This, then the Lord God said to her, What is this you've done? And he said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. Are you above all livestock? And above all beasts of the field? And upon your belly shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Lord, we're tired. Our bodies are tired. Our minds are tired. We did not come here yesterday Lord, would you help us focus on you by your spirit and your gift of Jesus? All right, so three points tonight. One is the, the beginning of Jesus, the beginning of Jesus, the beginning of the church. Second, the shattering of that expectation. And then third, the restoration. of Jesus. So it's Jesus. From the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and darkness. Darkness was its motion. The Spirit of God was placed in the place of the water. So God has always been. Try to think of nothing right now. Try to imagine nothing. <laughs> because most of you, when I say you imagine nothing, you're thinking of like, the Star Wars scene before the yellow like lightsaber fight, right? You're just thinking of like black space, right? Space is something, right? It's not nothing. I know that's bad news. But space is not nothing. Before there was space, there was nothing, right? But there was this. Before there were rocks and rivers and trees and mountains and babies and baseball, before there were like grandmas and swing sets and kindergarten and all those different things. Before there was anything, there was a God who called himself I Am. That's the name he gives him. That's the name he gives to Moses. And Moses says, what's your name? Who shall I say are calling you? Or what shall I call you? And he says, I am who I am. That's the word Yahweh or some people call it Jehovah. That's a really interesting name. It's a verb. I am. It just means I was. I am, I will be. I stand outside of my creation. I am not rocks or trees or animals. I'm completely separate from my creation. That's why every other religion is wrong, fundamentally, because this God is totally other. Highly offensive comment, but that's how bold this God is. I am who I am without beginning, without beginning. He never learned anything. He never had to learn anything. He's never been ignorant of anything ever. He never had to, like, develop or mature as this God. He has always been God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, 
forever that you always lose. It will make your brain hurt. In fact, it will make your brain burst as soon as you begin to think about it. He is infinite. That means without finish. Which finish means in all the things that he does and says and every single thing about him, his very heart, the way God feels about things, the way God thinks about things, and everything he's ever done is completely without limitation because of the mystery. God just is. Jesus said, we are not that. We are dependent on God. We are finite. He will not be. God does not have to be. He is absolutely, unutterably, perfectly, forever, abundantly true. And then at some point in eternity past, this God, out of the overflow of his heart, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, out of everything that's good inside of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they create something. This boy and the Spirit is hovering over it. And we know from John chapter 1 that the one who's being, everything's being made through the Word. The Word's spoken. We find out later that that's Jesus the Son. He creates this creation. This universe. Space. World. This material place. That is staggering. Like, I know we're kind of used to it, but it's staggering to stop for just a second and just imagine, like, this creation did not create itself. The Bible says that he created all of it. That's why it's so complex. That's why there's such order. That's why there's such beauty. Later we'll find out. That's why we find out tongues are very beautiful. Because think about how, think about the variety that this creation. Do you know there are a thousand different types of bananas? I thought there was just a banana. There are a thousand different varieties of bananas growing around the world. And they've been divided into 50 subgroups. You know, that's the kind of God we have. Like, maybe if we were coming up with our own sort of banana, we'd be like, well, it's two different kinds of bananas. That's weird. I don't know. That's a big one and a medium-sized one. But how about a thousand? That's this God. He's not like that. knows something an exquisite beauty that I know is in his heart. I, I, I was walking uh, at the St. Louis Zoo and I saw this. It's from a, it's from a superb starling. Look at that bird. And I was walking and I just stopped because it wings, it, it does it perfectly. It can't talk to anyone, but it wings. The sun was hitting it. Its wings are iridescent like I didn't know when the when the green and the blue and the cobalt and the purple and the black and then it's proud look how proud the superb starling is of that orange red auburn belly he's got right and then there's this little ivory cut that hangs down and then you go up into this forest this ocean of blue all the way to his head where that is not black, but that's not just the darkest navy you've ever seen. And he's just walking around. He's just, he's just walking around like, alright, I'm going to eat these things on the ground. You need to 
Pharisees. And I was just my, my kids will tell you, like I was just going, who is who is that? But then God also made another type of sorrow. That's a purple blossom. It shot through with the most rich, um, sparkling, it looked almost illuminated perfume. And I think I think that's more beautiful than some rose garlic. Sorry, Cousin Dennis, you need to get a healthy person. But here's my point. God made the purple. And that's, you know, that's just, these two little birds are just a, a pinprick of the glory of God oozing shalom in his creation. And then he also made gifts. You know what that is? That's an opal. Yeah, opal. The unfortunate name for the opal is because the opal sounds like no offense if you're named Opal or great, 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 great grandmother, more likely named Opal. Because that's not a cool name for the coolest rock I've ever seen in my entire life. You can just go Google Opal. Here's what they look like. They look like you're holding a universe in your hand. And these grow underground in Australia. They're actually opal mines. They have like towns. They just live underground searching for this little piece of paradise in the dust. Buried in our planet, can you imagine the glorious, sublime things that are even buried in our planet by this God? We're getting little threads of shalom. And then finally this. That's where we are. God does this. It's like we become desensitized to it because we have lost our sense of wonder. We had it when we were kids. It used to be when we were kids, we would look at stuff and we're like, oh my gosh, what? But now we've like, we've lost that sense of wonder. And when we lose that sense of wonder, we also lose a sense of kingdom. We lose a sense of longing. We lose a sense of another world. And that is not anti-rational. That is what it means to be truly human. That'll that'll refocus your allegiance to this world. What kind of God does this? A God who is love. Love exists because God is love. God has always been love. This is my belief. What is the truest thing you could say about our God? What is most essential about God? God is a father perfectly loving his son through the spirit. God is most essentially love, Father, loving Son through the Spirit. What was God doing before he, the Rocky Mountains? Father, loving his Son through the Spirit. What was God doing before he ever came to this earth and his great, 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 great grandparents came to this earth? A Father, loving his Son through the Spirit. That's who he's always been. That's who he is now. That's who he will be in eternity future. And that he was who he was in eternity past. Standing outside of time, God is a Father, perfectly loving loving his son through the spirit. So he creates purple blossoms of sorrow, purple blossoms of sorrow through opal sacrifice. He creates some, some he creates the color of a human being's eye that sometimes doesn't look 
that way here in this room. Hold someone that you've never told anyone else secret and that person doesn't even know that you're making it for them. Do you know what that feeling is? It's shalom from God to you. So a lot of people on the church side of the room here have very distorted views of God. I know I've spent most of my life with distorted views of God. That's part of our brokenness. That's part of God's Spirit giving us His Word to tell us who He is, what He's actually like. When I asked my students at Vanderbilt, what is God like? Describe your God. They're like, I don't really like God. He's always busy, busy, busy doing. And I was like, well, tell me what He's like. Like, describe your God. And he's like, well, He's He's always around. I was like, okay, so He's omnipresent. He's always around. He, he, he like, knows everything. Right? He has no kind of bad or good, but he's ready. He will forgive you for your sins. I was like, so you just created an ungodly Gentile. I'm going to choose whatever, I'm going to choose whatever new scenario you're living in right now over any ungodly situation. This God who creates his people for himself and his love for himself, everything, everything that ever been beautiful and wonderful in this world is created by God and his love. Everything. Sex is created by God. Food by God. Do you realize that when you're eating your favorite ice cream, the reason you enjoy that ice cream is not only because God created that flavor, he created the taste buds in your tongue to enjoy the ice cream. That's how God, everything that's good and pure and beautiful in this world is God. Not religion, it's God.
is wrong with us. This is wrong with the world. This is wrong with sin. It's sin, the wages of sin is death, that's what it is. That's why we have purity at the micro and at the macro level. We have oppression and power at the subatomic level and at the greatest, most monumental level, which is very easy to see. Open your history books, right? Hitler and Stalin and all the anti Semitic, what is this anti life or anti everything? Every embodiment of something that's coming against us, every threat, every death. We see it physically in the fact that our bodies fall apart. We see it physically in the fact that our bodies don't do what we want them to do. We see it physically in the fact that we get headaches and brain tumors. We see it psychologically in how our minds work with self-destruction and we're never pretty enough. We're never smart enough. We're too never run fast. We're always too far behind. You ever been in that cycle? That's because of a shattering of love from the habit in you. The self-hatred is what you're seeing in you. You say things to yourself in your own reflection. You would never, ever want us to hear and you would never, ever say to anyone else you say to yourself all the time. All those things are just another version of the same thing. Relationally, you see what happens in the Garden of Eden. Not only do they hide themselves because they're naked, they see a shame to the day of eating. They realize they were naked and they're ashamed. Before that, they were naked and unashamed. They realize they were ashamed on the very thing that they hide themselves from. They hide themselves from one another. They hide themselves from themselves. They hide themselves from God. They call this how that creates all the kind of worries and all the kind of snobbery that we see. We're just so scared just to go to high school by ourselves. We're just so scared. Well, maybe I hope you have a much better high school experience than me because for me it was just like, I was so scared because I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing and I think everyone else probably does. Themselves, they're hiding in the covers of the kids' clothes. Some girls hate themselves, they're hiding in the covers of the kids' clothes. Some girls cut themselves, they're carrying a mirror and they're wasting their kids' bathroom. 
symbols were too much. It was too much love. It was too much sex. Some believe that Solomon himself was saying that this was basically an invite to God entering into the chamber and into the gift of his people. And I think what this passage is especially exclusively is this confusion between praise for the gift and praise for the giver. That all of creation, most of us included, feels more and more isolated and more and more disconnected from ourselves and how do we get back to
that everything he might be preeminent in his name, when all for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the baby of God. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace. 